Hello, folks. Josh Williams here to bring you back for another edition of the Longest Road Podcast. Today's guest is our two-part series of interviewing Dr. Andrew Roach Sr., the draft diamond that's still chasing after his NFL dreams. But much more than his draft dreams, you're going to hear how this young boy turned into a young man through life's way of maturation. And that is where the real chase begins. I was in December, January, area winter break of 2018, 2019. I mean, 2017, 2018. And, you know, I, I was transferring schools. Um, I knew I had one year eligibility left, so I knew I had, you know, I had a trust guy and I had, you know, one shot to make my, you know, dreams become a reality and everything that I worked hard for, you know, as a young man and a young father. Um, and like I said, I was still in connection with my defensive coordinator from East Coast Prep, uh, Damian Mincy. He was at Pace University at the time. And I reached out to him because I, I knew the kind of success that I had under him before. You know, I had, you know, divisional offers that came from that opportunity. So I was like, why not go to the well again? So, you know, I got in contact with him and, you know, expressed my interest. And, you know, he welcomed me with open arms and said that, you know, they would love to have me and put me on scholarship whatever else, and he said he'd get back to me in, like, a couple of days. So um, a couple of days goes by, and, you know, he, he calls me back, and he's like, you know, the head coach, uh, Coach Andy Rondo at the time, um, he had, you know, a few bad experiences with, you know, grad grad transfers and just transfers in general. Really? Um, yeah. And so, so basically, you know, Dan Mitchie like broke it down to me. It was like, look, we're not, we're not going to be able to offer you. Um, and at that moment, like my life kind of, kind of just sunk. My heart kind of sunk into my stomach, and it was just kind of like, what do you do now? Um, like we've kind of talked about, it was so much risk, so much um, effort and sacrifice that went into this journey. And you know, now it's like, okay, well, you're basically done with playing football. Um, and kind of school at the same time. So, like I said, as well as being a man of a household and, you know, being a follow time, it's like, really, what do I do? Is, is this the end? Do I, you know, kind of start working and just go from there? Um, and, you know, I talked to my best friend at the time, and one of the, one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me was, it was simple. It was like, if you won more than you lost at what you do, why change it up? And I actually, like, really thought about it and said, okay, when you take a step back and you gain perspective on yourself, um, you know, you realize, like, hey, you know, hard work does pay off. Sacrifice does pay off. And you start to realize certain things. And I told somebody recently, I said, you know, on this path of success and this journey that you're going to take in life, you almost have to befriend the lessons of failure and marry the results of your success. And what I mean by that is a lot of times you may hear, you know, successful people, motivational speakers, they speak about you got to be familiar with failure. You got to be familiar with failure. But at the same time, a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about, they're like, so you're telling me to be okay with failing and losing. And no, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is what I just said, like, you have to almost be so familiar with failure that failure is a friend. But you don't go home and failure every night. You have to stay true to who you are and marry your success, marry the results that you breed. Because you need failure to learn from, but you also don't need it to be so connected to it that you kind of dwell in that. And that's what great people do. They learn from their losses. Um, 
So, so I took that and I ran with it. And, you know, I called Coach Minty back and I said, um, I said, Coach, like, don't worry about the finances and stuff. Like, you know, me and my parents would be, be able to take care of it. Um, all I need, all I need is an opportunity. Same thing when I left Sacred Heart, you know, when I graduated in three years, like I spoke about before, I told him, I said, all I need is the opportunity. If you said it's an opportunity, uh, like, I'm all for it. So, so he's like, okay, school starts in a week. And so I call, you know, housing, I call school and they're like, well, we're out of housing right now and stuff. So, um, I contacted one of my friends, uh, Chris and I asked him, I said, what do I do? You know, they're out of housing. It's so many hurdles that I have to hop through. Like, is this really worth it? He's like, I think I know somebody who's going to go there. And his, his name is Nas, and he became a, a good friend of mine over time. And he was transferring in just so happily by the grace of God. Um, he's transferring in at the same time. And he said, bro, don't worry about it. You know, I've got housing. Like, you can stay at my spot. So so I, I drove up the pace. Um, like I said, like, Coming from a Division One school, you know, being a scholarship athlete and stuff, it was definitely humbling. Um, so I got to school, and basically for that whole semester, like I slept on a couch. Um, I slept on his couch, and you know, it was it was definitely a humbling time, but definitely a trying time at the same time because I had a uh, just stayed a course. I remember two weeks, and I'm not going to make it sound easier than what it was, but I remember two weeks into it. Yeah, you know, I called called my best friend again, Matt, and I I told him I said I said, bro, I can't do this, bro. I said I can't. Like it's it's too much. Like and and he told me he's like, you got to stay the course. You're already there. You're already making it day by day. You got to stay the course. And I remember every night, like I would just look at a picture of my son, and it would just constantly, constantly give me that motivation to keep going. Just like I said to you before. Um. I always refer back to this in times of uncertainty and, and trouble, and it's just see another sun. Um, when you're progressing in life, as long as you see that next sun, see that next day, a, a new day is full of opportunity. Um, you know, God doesn't bless everybody with another day, and sometimes we take that for granted. Amen, brother. But, you know, when you're on your last, you think about that, and you think about, you know, I just got to stack a day. I do everything I can in this day. And I leave the rest up to God. And so, like I said, I went, went throughout the spring. Um, I had to basically prove myself um, all over again. And it, it was it was good for me. For me personally, um, it was refreshing to have to do that, um, to be in that mindset yet again. And, you know, so I go throughout the spring. Um, after our last day of spring ball, I remember I sat down with Colin Rondo and, you know, he told me, he said, don't worry about anything from here. We'll take care of you. Um, Whoa. You know, just keep doing keep doing your job. You know what I mean? Keep being a leader because that's what you are. Um, keep being a leader and on the back end and on the team. And, you know, be the person that you've been throughout the whole spring. And I remember one time vividly in spring, we were having, you know, winter workouts in the gym. and run a sprint. And actually at the time, and running sprints, we get to, like, the last, like, two sprints. And my shoes, uh, I went to go touch the line and turn, my shoes just ripped open. Uh-huh. And, like, at that point, I mean, like I said, like, you're down to your last two. Um, but me being a leader, I, you know, I don't want to ever show any weakness. or And I want everybody to know that I'm in it with them. 
you know, we're in this together, we're going to start together, we're going to finish together. Um, so at that point, you know, I ended up taking my shoes and socks off, and, you know, before the next whistle, I'm back on the line with the guys running barefoot. Oh, and some people are like, man, what, like, what is he doing? But to me, that's normal, and I expect that, you know, for myself. And I also expect that from others around me because, like I said, we're in it together. Um, we're here, you know, I said before in the last, in the last interview that, you know, it's mission over man. And, you know, that's what's important. So basically those kind of events and things, you know, led up to, to him, you know, believing in me as a leader on the back end and on the team and him saying that he's going to take care of me from there. So you really think that during that whole, that I mean, honestly, I mean, it's just one example, but during the, the time where you, you showcase what hard work looks like and dedication on those last two sprints, do you think that's like one of the reasons that turned it over for Coach in favor of you? Or or was it already the hard work that's built up to that before? That's what did it for him. Because I, I was trying to understand his reservations against grad, grad transfers. Um, like I said, I mean, you know, and he's a great guy and stuff, but old school. You know, he was no. He, I mean, I think you know, like anybody else, uh, if you're if you're burned in life too many times, you know, you kind of become hesitant. Yeah. And um, definitely in a situation, you know, I can it, see that. I mean, he was hesitant. You know, I mean, it was like I I believe, and I don't want to speak incorrectly, but I believe the semester before, you know, he had a grad kid was that was there, and um as soon as the season finished, he kind of left. Like, he didn't even finish school for that semester. Just but bounced. It was just kind of, yeah, it was just kind of like long time, and I would say, more than anything else. Um, it was kind of just like, yeah, I'm a home, grow my guys, and then we'll go from there. Okay, okay. I'm with you. But, I mean, I would say I would say it was a lot of events. Um, like I said, from day one, I, I'm not a big person on talking and stuff. I'd rather lead by example. Um, and I just believe it was like, you know, by the grace of God and me just being me. Um, like I said, leading by example, um, and then going from there. And I really, you know, believe, and obviously my football abilities um, kind of created that belief in them. Everything else that followed after that, um, especially when you start talking about your football abilities and what those provided for you, you had the, the chance to showcase those talents. Um, it's not essentially a college bowl. What is it called for the Division Two, where they put all the All Stars? Is, is it called the All Star Game? Yeah, it was the uh, National uh, Senior Bowl down here, and actually, it was in a, a Daytona, Florida. Um, and that was in December. Yeah, so that was in December of that season after summer in the winter time. Yeah, nice, nice. What was that whole experience prepping for that? Because, you know, there's there's some prep high schools that are around in this area that, um, you know, some of these kids might have the opportunity. You know, they always say that there is a level for college football for everybody out there. And it may not be Division One, may not be Division One AA, but they're sure Division Two to sure Division Three. Be an all-star, whatever you're going to be in. Some of these kids here in this area are going to go and play D3, D2 ball. So what was that experience like? I mean, getting prepared for – I mean, you're one of the best cornerbacks in, in the nation in Division Two. So, and that's a reputation to be held. What was it like going through that process? Um, actually, you know, I, I believe that confidence of the season kind of propelled me into it. Um, like I said, I mean, that year I had a 29 completion percentage when targeted. I oh. gave up like 111 yards all season in, in 10 games. So, you know, that's probably a first down a game. 
Um, so, and then obviously no touchdowns that season. So for me, you know, having that confidence and knowing that, you know, I am one of the best in the nation, um, I knew that, you know, no matter the receiver, no matter the conference or where he comes from, I can line up. And also, you know, from playing Division One football, I also knew that, you know, there's there's going to be some guys there that also did the same as me, you know, transferred down. But, you know, it's relatively the same. And I tell people a lot, there's not a big difference between really all the divisions of football. The only difference is is the quantity of athletes. You know, you might, like I said before to you, um, that whole year at Pace, every single week, you know, I had a guy who was either all-conference or all-American the year before. And I even went against Deontay Harris, who's, you know, uh, all-pro as a rookie last year with the New Orleans Saints. Oh, my goodness. As a returner. So, for me, it, it's not, It's like I said, it's, there's no difference, really. It's the quantity. Now, you know, Assumption had one guy, you know, Deontay Harris, but, you know, you go against Alabama, Alabama has four first-round receivers. Right. So, it's just the, the depth and how many of them, those guys that they actually have is where you, you see the difference in people, where the twos really make a lot of difference. Do you have a favorite uh, Devontae Harris story? Um, yeah, kind of. Oh, I got to hear it. <laughs> actually, this is, like, this is like a legendary story. If you know my head coach, it's like a legendary, like a legendary story. story. So, <laughs> um, so basically, a long story short, so every week I would uh, I would come up with my own kind of game plan as far as like because like I said from the moment that the game ended on Saturday probably an hour after that after I'm doing rehab I'm scouting the next team even on away games on the bus ride back I'm watching you know the film from the previous weeks on the next team so basically Coach Dasson which was my defensive back coach at the time every Thursday we would get together and. Every four, I would list every formation that the offense had in the top three routes from that receiver at that formation. Um, and then we would go through it every Thursday morning before our Friday practice or Thursday practice. Thursday was a walkthrough. Friday was kind of like fast paced. Right. Um, so we're playing Deontay Harris and they go like unbound. Cause obviously, you know, you watch him play. He's a quick guy, you know, a lot of respect, um, open field, you know, dangerous. Oh, yeah. And so they go on balance, throw them a quick screen. You know, we're we're out of you know out of sort and stuff. And I'm on the other side of the field, so obviously you know it makes a couple guys miss. He's jogging, and I know he's jogging because I'm jogging, right? Because <laughs> I'm you know I'm tempoing him. I have a lot of respect, you know, for his open field ability. So I'm tempoing the runner. So you know I know he's jogging, and when I tell you like he jogs for probably about thirty yards you know, before quietly stepping out of bounds, I was like, okay, was like, okay, this, this guy is really something serious. And then, you know, something that, you know, they heard him get back to the line, flip the play, and they go to run the same play, but we don't have, like, a defense in, in place right now, right? Right. So, I, I look at the ref, and I, could, I just call a timeout. Now, you know, you don't burn a coach's timeout. Never. That's like, you know, the golden rule. You don't ever burn a timeout unless you're a quarterback. Yeah, unless even you're QB1. Then, <laughs> yeah, even then. So 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 my head coach walks up to me. He's like he's like, brother, don't you ever burn one of my timeouts ever again. <laughs> but I'm like but I got I got other teammates looking at me like, did he just call a timeout? 
But he, <laughs> but in that relationship, as far as like he respected my preparation for the game enough. Um, like I said, like you know, I was always in the coach's office. We would sit down all the time and stuff. So, so he respected where I was coming from. He knew that I, I don't do things without a reason. And and I told him and I said, look, man, they they line back up to a formation that we weren't set to before. And this dude is dangerous to open foot and just jog for thirty yards. You know, we have to gather ourselves because like. He could have easily, you know, scored if he really wanted to. Um, now, I'm not saying he was jogging on purpose, but obviously, you know. No, 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 no. I don't think it came that way. Yeah, I don't think it came across that way. Yeah, but like I said, like, it, it was just like one of the moments where it's like, and I remember I said something to him. He didn't respond. So I was like, okay, this dude's locked in. <laughs> like, like, I'm not, he's oh, not you, playing, so I'm not playing. You didn't test the waters of the uh, trash talk game. I, I bet it's pretty good, uh, especially on the, the, you know, the East Coast boys out there. They, they like to run the mouths, you know? Nah, he's actually a Maryland boy, too, just like me. So, but I actually didn't say nothing. I mean, he, he didn't respond back. So, um, you, those guys are the quiet guys that you got to watch out for. <laughs> uh, like the quiet winners of the world and stuff like that. So, Class act. That's that's a great story, though. I mean, that's one that you're going to be able to carry with you until you match up with him at some point later on down in the NFL. You're going to have to put him in the oh, yeah, slot absolutely. on there on you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to have to definitely bring that up at some point. And then speaking of of the, the showcase and what came after that, the exposure that you got from that, talk a little bit about the exposure that came from that showcase. Um, The exposure... Actually, the showcase is wonderful. It's a well-ran event. Um, there was a lot of NFL, CFL teams that was there um, in attendance, as well as within the teams. Um, actually, my head coach, uh, Matt Diniak, you know, he was the head coach of a, a arena team at the time, and which I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. And you know, he heard that you know I had a knee injury in college and all sorts of stuff. So, so he wanted to see me in person. So he was scouting me even really before I got there, and so. You know, it's about a four-day event, so we get to game day, and it's, you know, before the game, and he's like, uh, Drew, he pulls me aside, and he's like, you know, I want to offer you a contract. Whoa. And, yeah, I mean, I was definitely thrown off by that. Whoa. So, and he was just like, you know, your leadership ability, you know, throughout the week, and just the way you carry yourself. Um, and then, obviously, my mother was there as well, too, so he was like, you know, the way you and your family, you know, carry yourselves, you go about things. Um, it's the right way. And, you know, that's somebody that I want in my organization and, you know, to lead from that. And so, you know, I appreciated him saying that and then uh, kind of went on from there. And like I said, it was a great event. So you got you got the, the exposure there, especially from, from some of the arena coaches. However, though, I don't know if it was an interview that you gave back in 2018, late 2018 or early 2019, but... I read a transcript of uh, your encounter with the New York Giants uh, scouting department there. Yeah, uh, the New York Giants actually came to school. Um, the New York Giants and the Jets actually came to school. Um, and I remember uh, calling my mom before the meeting, actually. And I told her, I said, yeah, you know, I'm about to get out to the, to the football office um, and meet with the Giants and stuff. And the first thing she said was, She's like, you know, make sure you take a picture, you know, with the guy and stuff. So, cause you know, mothers, like, they're always big on pictures and stuff. So, she's like, you know, this is a memory I can look back on and whatever else. And I'm like, I'm like, mom, like, like, like this is my job now at this point in life. Um, you know, <laughs> and she's just like, 
It's like, no, you got to make sure you get a picture. <laughs> I never got the picture, but, you know, one day I get I get her a picture and stuff. So Yeah, one day when you're, when you're actually playing for the New York Giants now, huh? Yeah, then she can take all the pictures she wants. She can, <laughs> you know, go up to players and teams and stuff respectfully and take all the pictures she wants. Now, in all seriousness... You know, meeting with those NFL scouts, that's no joke. That's And it, it can be somewhat intimidating in some facets, especially, you know, if, uh, you know, especially coming from D2, because sometimes it's not expected to have that. But when you're the best in the nation at your position, things like this are going to happen. How did you handle it? How did it go? What was the experience like for you? Um, I, I think the, the one biggest thing is um, you got to enjoy it. I mean, it's definitely you're definitely a pro now um, and you have to carry yourself as such. And, you know, you go about as business just as, you know, everybody else goes to work every single day. You do the same thing. You know, you're not above anybody else, but at the same time you have to enjoy the process. Kind of, kind of like the same thing in recruiting, you know, coming out of high school, you've got to enjoy the process. Um, through it. Don't get lost in the process, but definitely enjoy it and take it in. Cause um, you'll never get it again. I know. I remember I was at the college there on showcase in Texas. Um, January 2019, and I'm sitting down meeting with the uh, Montreal Alouettes, the scout, and, you know, sitting down talking. He's like, you know, how does a 6-1 corner, you know, that's one of the best, you know, in the nation at his position, like, kind of get overlooked? And I was like, I don't know. You know, you you cut on the tape. Um, I mean, you see everything. You see a corner who can tackle, who's willing to tackle, who participates in the run game, um, could play off, could play press you know, has good size and, and obviously can run. So, you know, but like I said, you got to just enjoy the process and, and don't take it for more than what it is, but definitely understand that you're a professional. It's not meant to be taken for granted because you can easily be replaced. That's incredible. And that's an important life lesson there that you, anybody can be replaced at any given time. That's why you got to keep that hunger going. Um, but you have put, clearly put the exclamation mark at the end of that sentence. Um, now looking at, where you're at, and at least semi-currently, in the Arena League. Uh, coming from that scouting meeting, what was the journey like from, you know, walking out with from the New York Giants and the Jets there, going now to the AFL? What was that whole process like? Um, I mean, the process, it was very similar. Um, I think a, a lot of times, you know, professional football is kind of kind of similar to college as far as you know, how I said earlier, as far as there's no really difference um, in players, as far as it's really in the quantity, not quality. Um, but, like I said, like for me, I was telling somebody actually earlier today, I said, you know, whether you're in the AFL, um, you're in the XFL, the CFL, the NFL, you have to train as such. Everybody does the same thing. Everybody, like, for example, everybody works just as hard as Tom Brady. The only difference between Tom Brady is he executes, and nobody executes better than he does at his position. That's the only difference. Everybody, you know, you know, drinks their protein shakes. Everybody gets up. Everybody eats clean. All this other stuff. They get their sleep, whatever else, or at least they should. <laughs> but the only difference is, is the ones who can execute and who doesn't at this level in life. So even right now, like I don't, I don't ever like box myself in and be like, oh. You know, I'm an AFL guy or I'm a CFL guy or NFL guy. Like, I'm a professional football player. Because if you change every time your jersey changes, then you won't be around long enough. Right. No, that's that's valid. 
Very, very valid. And, and I heard somebody say, uh, actually, Deontay Spencer, he was in the CFL, and he's with the, the Broncos right now. Last year was his, his first year with them. And he said, I did the same thing in life when I lost as I did when I won. And it was one of the most like eye-opening things for me because it's true. You can't change every time the season hits. You have to remain the same. Because, I mean, obviously he gets better every single day because, you know, you work towards that. But he's the same guy who was playing in the PFL a year and a half ago. You wow. know? And he's about to go in year two with the Broncos. So it's, you can't, like, you got to constantly, constantly, constantly work on yourself. And I know we spoke about that before, but, and with me, it's not just football. I do that in every area of life. Um, but it's a constant climb. You can't ever get comfortable. And speaking of comfortability, I mean, obviously, the whole, everything with the coronavirus, you know, kind of threw a lot of excuse uh, in there for when the projected start of football season would go back. I know we talked a little bit about it on the first uh, part one of this uh, ep- our, uh, episode, but you know, there are going to be opportunities that are opening up, you know, with the NFL. I mean, there's going to be some things that come open, practice squad, things like that. What are you doing now to stay and keep your mind sharp throughout this time? Uh, is it a daily workout regimen? Is it a daily grind? Uh, you have practice sessions with uh, guys from your hometown. Uh, how, how are you staying in game time shape? Um, I mean, to be honest, like I said, I don't, I don't waver or change at all. I keep kind of the same routine. I'm usually up every day at 3 a.m. And I usually have at least three sessions in before somebody has their morning coffee. Um, My man. So, you know, I stay stay committed to that. You know, I work with, you know, various different trainers in my area um, to stay ready. But I, I will be doing the Spring League, which is in July. It's actually out in Denver, Colorado. Um, it's Denver. It's July 14th to the 17th. Um, and usually those events are, you know, pretty good for exposure and they're pretty good talent. They're usually NFL guys, CFL guys um, who either have been there before, um, have the talent to be there or just, you know, might've got cut like a week ago. So uh, I will be doing that, you know, upcoming, um, God willing, as long as, you know, regulations and stuff like that, you know, progress. Right. Uh, of course. You know, the virus stays down, but definitely, um, you know, staying in tip top shape and ready for opportunities as, you know, things start to go into the fall. Congratulations on that, though. That's that's outstanding. I mean, seriously, this this is exactly everything that you've been talking about on this episode. Here is kind of waiting for you in July, right now, right? It's your it's your opportunity to take all this adversity and diversity that you faced over this time and put it to work, right? Yes, sir. This is exciting. Absolutely. That's exciting. How are you feeling, though? Feeling good? I'm feeling good. Um, I'm probably it's probably the best shape I've been in in a while. Um, I know we didn't talk about it earlier, but even going into my senior year, um, I didn't get to train at all as far as that entire summer. Um, I probably had about, you know, three weeks just to, just jogging um, because I, I did have a PCL knee injury. And, you know, I was kind of off the whole summer after spring ball. So this has been one of the times, you know, that I fully get to train. And obviously, you know, you've seen by the grace of God what I was able to do, you know, without really training or having the ability to train in the past. So, you know, I'm feeling very confident right now. And and the knee is healing up pretty fast. I mean, even watching the tape after some of the other injuries that you've had, I mean, you, you, your body responds phenomenally, you know, without hesitation. Sometimes with the big knee injuries, you have that hesitation where, you know, it's your mind wants to go, but then it's like your body says, huh, 
or it's the opposite way where your mind says hunt, but your body wants to do it. So, and you haven't had any of those type of uh, scenarios, situations that have propped up in front of you and say, hey, I got to slow down. No, not at all. Um, like man. I said before, you know, I, I mean, I'm 100% fully healed at this point. I haven't had any issues. And like, I'm old fashioned. I believe if you're out there, you're out there. There's no excuse, no none of that stuff. Um, and like I said, in the past, even now, you know, I've never wore any braces or anything like that. I never needed it, even in rehab. So, like you, I mean, you said it best, you know, you know, I'm blessed enough that my body does, you know, respond well to those kind of things and has, you know, been able to heal fully and be healed right now. Which, I mean, hey, this is going to play the dividends because, you know, that's in this day where everything is, is you know, analyzed under a microscope. I mean, that, that seems like that's going to be something that's going to be a little bit talked about in July, you know, when you're down there. So uh, it's good that the body's feeling great, that you have no hesitations, that you're fully healed, because this means that you're going to have the best opportunity. Even if you were 50%, I truly believe you still find a way onto a roster somewhere. Oh, absolutely. And I, like I said, I greatly appreciate that. Um, but like I said, by the grace of God, I mean, you see what he was able to do before. And I, you know, I didn't even have the ability to train for three months. Um, leading into the season. So, and then, you know, I put up numbers to be one of the best in the country at the time. So, you know, like I said, I'm confident that all time high right now is just about staying the course, you know, enjoying the process, taking it day by day and constantly getting better, um, constantly climbing that mountain. Andrew, this, this whole, this whole two part episode, this has been exciting to, to, to put all this together. And for one thing, for people to be able to hear this incredible story that you have, it's, uh, it's inspiring. It inspires me. Um, even trying to put this together, I mean, I, I, I haven't came across yet uh, someone who I've interviewed that I've been this inspired by, and you have a lot going for you. It's uh, it's going to be incredible to watch your ride from from the back seat, but for you to live it, for your family too, uh, man, this is this is just going to be exciting. I, I can't thank you enough for for taking time to to join us here and uh, join me here, um, man. This is uh, it's a blessing. Um, anything else about the, the future or where things are going or anything else that you want to add? Where can folks find you? We got to put you on Twitter. <laughs> um, I believe my Twitter is underscore ace, A-S-E-I-V. Um, ace four, obviously. Uh, I know we kind of got into it before as far as ace. Um, like I said, the ace comes from, you know, just inspiring people to be the first, you know, never be scared or of an opportunity or don't be scared of the obstacles that lie in front of the opportunity and just always reach for more. Um, you know, be the first in your generation, be the first in your family, first in your friend group, you know, to do something amazing. And that's what it comes down to. Man, that's incredible. We're going to make sure that we put the, his uh, Twitter handle in the link when you guys have the description, uh, wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, the whole works there. Um, and, Maybe we could convince Andrew at some point in time to uh, share with us the uh, huddle link that has the uh, infamous nose tackle play. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. I'm a relentless on that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. I'm actually. You know, I'm gonna contact my coach today. Uh, I was talking to actually my DB coach earlier, but I'm definitely gonna get that footage for you. Um, oh. You know, whether it's behind closed doors or or out there, <laughs> I definitely get it to you. 
Oh, my goodness. I can't wait for that. Andrew, I wish you nothing but the best, buddy. I know that we'll be doing a part three eventually somewhere when you're either cfl or nfl and around around the league. Uh, even when AFL gets back up, uh, let's uh, we got to get back together and find out where in the world, not Waldo, where in the world is Andrew Roach? <laughs> You've been listening to The Longest Road with Josh Williams on podcast by Federated Media. If you'd like to recommend a guest, find the contact us link in the description and let us know. Until next time, thank you for listening and I'll see you down the longest road. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.